Welcome to another edition of Ensigns to the Nation. We are the Ensign family. I am Kurt, or as some of these kids call me, Dad. Hello, I'm Allison. I'm Mom. Hello, I'm Maya, and I'm the little sister, and I'm 11. I am Jonah, and I am a boy, and I'm 15. So uh, we uh, this week we're going to talk about the Come Follow Me lesson for March 16th to the 22nd, which is Jacob 5 through 7. Um, of course, we have um, we know that Jacob's the brother of Nephi, and that we've had him talking over um, uh, this, some things before already in these first few chapters of Jacob, and we've heard great things from him already about being prideful with your riches, and about being chaste. So there are many, many people in the world. It's our job uh, to help um, gather Israel, right? How many people are in the world, Jonah? Seven billion. Actually, we looked it up. It's 7.8 billion as of oh. this month. 7.8 billion. So uh, uh, guys, are we going to be able to take care of 7.8 billion people? Of course not. So God has given us smaller chunks, right? Uh, how many people are in our ward? Like a couple hundred. Yeah, about two hundred. Two or three hundred people in our ward. But how many people? Maya just got called today to be the secretary in her young women's class. In yeah. the young women's 11 to 13. How many girls are in that class, Maya? Right. About four. Four, right. And how many people are in your priest quorum, Jonah? Like five. Five. How many people are in our family? Like eight. Eight. There's eight people eight. in our family, right? Eight. Did you forget how many people what? were in our family? Well, no, there's 11 if you count spouses and right. grandkids now. Right, right. Yes. So we've got this smaller group of people that uh, we're supposed to be helping. And, and that's all that we have to worry about is those small little things that Heavenly Father has given us to work on. So, so the, the idea of what Jacob's talking about in this lesson is um, how to help Heavenly Father uh, take care of all these people and gather Israel. So let's get right into it. This is Jacob 5, 6, and 7. And the first part of it talks about an olive tree allegory. Jonah? What's an allegory? An allegory is a spiritual story that uses metaphors to explain concepts. And Jacob, the one they're talking about, is taught by a prophet named Zenos, I think. And um, he talks about the he talks about the olive tree allegory, which is where the vineyard is compared to the world, and the master of the vineyard is Jesus. And then the tame olive trees in the vineyard are Israel, or the people, the, the, the people of the Lord. And then the wild ones are the Gentiles. And then the fruit that comes out of the trees are the works of the people, right. if they're good or bad. Right. So an, all, an, an allegory is a story is supposed to help you learn something. Do we have, why, why did they have a story about an olive tree? Who cares about olive trees? Well, they had a lot of olive trees back in the day, so it probably made sense when they were 
talk. So if you were going to do a story, an allegory about something to teach somebody, what would you do it about? Um, you could do it about a marching band uh, where the where this doesn't have what to do with uh, the vineyard, but it's where the the, um, the conductor is like God or Jesus right. who tells everyone what to do and and if you if you step out of what he tells you to do then the big picture looks bad so we need to listen to god for the whole picture to make sense so that's your marching band allegory and we can learn about how to right. belong in god's family and how to follow his commandments yeah that's good that's what an allegory is it teaches us something all right well so here we have this allegory, um, Allison, what do you think? Well, I, I love how allegories can mean something different to everybody, depending on your own circumstance, how Jonah can listen to it and think about his marching band and different ways that that would apply to him and his sphere and his life. And Maya, at 11 years old, sees it one way, and I can learn something totally different as an adult. But I think that's the... Um, that just shows how how wonderful and brilliant these scriptures can be in teaching us how to better follow the Savior and improve ourselves. Um, one thing that I, I really liked, Jonah kind of talked about all of the symbolism in this. And with this symbolism, it really teaches us about the fate of all of the people who have lived on this earth, taking us from the scattering of Israel before the time of Christ through when Christ was on the earth, then to the apostasy, the gathering of Israel in the latter days, which is sort of where we are now, and then to the millennium or the end of the world. And all in that one chapter, it is the longest chapter in the Book of Mormon, but it, that's still a ton of time and so much to learn about um, those different events that happened. But what I really, really liked was how it talked about the master of the vineyard. Jonah, what is, who was the master of the vineyard again? Uh, Jesus was. Right, Jesus Christ. And it, it kept coming back to him visiting the vineyard, all of these things that he would do to try to save the vineyard and help the vineyard um, in different, different verses. I want to just read a few of them, if I can pull it up here real quick. Um, in verse 4, he says, I will prune it and dig about it and nourish it that it perisheth not. And then in verse 7, it grieveth me that I should lose this tree. In verse 33, what shall we do unto the tree that I may preserve again good fruit thereof unto mine own self? And it just that to me, that's what I got out of it. That was the theme of how our Savior um, loves us and will continue to teach and, and visit and try to help us. Um, did you guys kind of feel that way too, or pull that out of it? Yeah, that's what I felt about that. I actually thought about our, um, when we first bought the house that we live in, there is a, a huge apricot tree in the backyard. It was one of the things we were so taken with, with this house, as we were looking at a bunch of houses, it, but it really does fill almost the entire backyard. The thing is huge, and it had hundreds of apricots on it when we first came to look at it. 
And then what happened, you guys, when we when we actually bought the house in our first stole day here? All the apricots. They were they were completely gone in one day. It went from being full to being nothing on there. So something happened. We don't know what. They stole all of them. Who's they? The people that used to live here. So maybe the people did. We don't know if it was birds. We don't know if it was a raccoon. Well, why would the birds steal all of them? Well, I don't know how the this is a huge tree. They would have had to have ladders and bags and bags, but Regardless, we ended up getting a professional pruner to come in. We wanted to save the tree. We do love it, um, but it, it definitely needed to be pruned, and we got that. And we, we have a lot of faith and hope that we'll have a good outcome this summer, and we'll actually get to enjoy them. So we're looking forward to that. But I do think that is an important message of this chapter is Christ's love for us and his hand in nourishing us and gathering Israel. Well, I think that's exactly right. I, I, I agree with you. I think the most important part of this allegory, and it can be really confusing. There were some great videos in here about uh, what the allegory means and how to and interpret this or that. But I think the most important thing to take away is that Christ wants as much good fruit from this vineyard as possible. This good fruit that Jonah was talking about. The fruit that uh, Elder Anderson talked about in his talk in last conference. So he does many things to get this good fruit. He digs it and dungs it and prunes it and grafts it and, and, it. and replants it. At the end, he's going to gather the fruit and then he's going to burn the vineyard. So as much fruit as he can possibly get out of there, I think that's the whole key to this story. All right. Well, thank you. And now let's talk a little bit about um, so another part of this allegory, which is the servants. And Maya, you were going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so the other servants who were called into the Lord's vineyard include people like you as members of the church. We are all responsible to help God gather his children. What principles do you find in Jacob 5, especially verses 61 through 62 and 75, about working in the Lord's vineyard? So, uh, Dad, what do you think? Well, as I read through this, um, uh, there was a lot of good stuff about how these servants are supposed to act. Uh, in verse 61, it says that the, he asked us to labor with all our might. Um, he said that this, this is the very last time that we're going to do it in, in verse 62. Uh, in verse 62, wait, what? what are you? Yeah, in verse 62, you're talking about the last time. Did you get anything out of it? Uh, well, in, in, in 70, there, were, there weren't that many of them. So the, the big mi minority of them. Yeah, there wasn't very many servants, was there? Yeah. What about members of the church right now? Is there very many? No, there's else? not. So we're kind of in a minority. Yeah. And then they talked about in 71 that if you have joy if you work hard so so the joy and working hard are are incarnation right <laughs> work hard doing this and because he said labor with all your might that you can get joy out of it and and, and at right. the end of that in verse 74 they actually said that they obeyed his commandments and that they had great success um so how how have you felt him call you to serve his vineyard? 
Mom? Uh, I think one of the biggest ways, well, two for me. One is teaching my children and my family, trying to be a good example and raise children who have testimonies and want to go on missions. I feel that personally that's one of my greatest jobs. Even if it's only reaching one or two people, they'll go out and become missionaries and hopefully um, help teach the gospel and bring more people into Christ in that way. So, and then, and then the other thing that I've always felt really strongly about is doing my callings to the best of my ability, no matter what that calling might be. Um, we talked about how our sphere of influence might be small, just a couple of people, whether it's with the sunbeams or a small classroom that we're teaching or whatever it may be, and that's just our little part that we can do. That's all we, that, that we have those three or four people that we can focus on and make sure that they are called. When I was called as a branch president back in Michigan, I remember there was this one guy, and you guys all know who he was, but I won't say his name. Yeah. He, he came in to me, and he said that um, he was so glad that I was um, made the branch president because finally he gets somebody that can understand him. And, and I, I felt really, it made me think that I was called for a reason to understand him, and I did help him at first. Of course, after a while, uh, I, I, I didn't, because he's a hard person to understand. But I did feel, certainly, that I was, I was called for a reason. Oh, and so, I, I'm really talking about how, like, uh, you can be a missionary, when you're still a child of God. And so we used to be these brownie bandit, band, bandits, and we would bring brownies over to people who we thought um, needed help and who were really sad and stuff. And so I really thought that helped them and yeah. You know, you're talking about when we used to go on Sundays and we'd go drop off brownies at people's doors and, That's and exactly ring the doorbell. I, I know. Mm. And then we'd <laughs> run away. And, and you're right. I think that that made people feel happy and joy. And I hopefully it, it brought some happiness into people's lives. But what I wanted to say is that uh, there was great happiness in your lives. I remember when we did it and the joy that came to you guys for doing that. Didn't you guys think it was fun? Yes. I remember so running away and laughing fun. as we were trying not to be seen and driving away fast, and it was it was an awesome feeling, right? Yes, I agree. So you bring up a good point. These are ways that we can uh, participate in his work, being nice like that for people, doing missionary work. I even think doing um, like temple work. I remember your older brother Luke and I, when we went to the temple, in the Detroit Temple to do baptisms for the dead. We did baptisms for some of our ancestors, people we actually knew their names. They weren't too far away. And the Spirit was so strong. Luke and I were both uh, very moved by the Spirit because of uh, we, we felt strongly that our ancestors were accepting the gospel. So again, great joy in bringing to pass this, uh, the missionary work and, and helping his children and getting this fruit well, and it actually says in verse 75, which is part of my section there at the end, um, and blessed art thou, and you can put your name after that, so blessed art thou, Maya, or blessed art thou, Jonah, 
For because you have been diligent in laboring with me in my vineyard and have kept my commandments and have brought unto me again the natural fruit that my vineyard is no more corrupted and the bad is cast away, behold, you shall have joy with me because of the fruit of my vineyard. So as we start to do some of these things and keep the commandments, as it says right there in that scripture, yeah, we promise we will have joy as we work together in the vineyard. Okay, so Jacob's a great teacher. He's teaching us about the atonement and about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and how much they just want to have great fruit and they want us to help them. The next chapter in Jacob, which is chapter 7, uh, it just sort of shows us uh, one of the days in the life of a prophet. And Jacob is, is, is uh, living his life like a good guy should. And there's another guy in town that's going around talking to people about how Jesus isn't real and that they shouldn't be following Jesus. They shouldn't be listening to to Jacob. This guy's name is Sherem. And and he's a well-spoken man. And I think we all know these type of people that they, they are, they, they're nice to look at and nice to listen to, but they don't really say the right things. So, um, as we listen to what Jacob did to deal with Sherem, those are some learn lessons that we can learn about how to deal with people that question our um, our religion, um, our way of life, the things that we do. And and believe me, there's lots of people that want to question why we do the things that we do. Um, I picked out a few different things that that Jacob said, um, and and you guys I think did too. So one of the first things that I said that I saw in verse 8 was that God poured out his spirit unto his soul. So the first thing that Jacob did was he looked for the spirit. And that was one of the things that he used when he dealt with Sherem. Maya, what else did he do? He used scriptures. He used scriptures, right, right. Remember that um, in uh, in verse 10, he, he asked Sherem, hey, do you believe in the scriptures? And Sherem said, well, yeah. And then he said, well, I don't know if you really understand them because the scriptures all testify that Christ came. And then what did he do after that, Jonah? He talked a little bit about um, what the scriptures say. Well, he talked about how all of the prophets were testifying about him. Right. He, t- he told them um, specifically about the prophets and... Um, what they said, and, and he and he really got into the doctrine of of Christ, and in fact, the atonement he talked about. Um, he he then he the scriptures tell us that he used the power of God. How did he use the power of God, Al? <laughs> Does anybody know? How did he use the power of God? Well, he oh, he he struck he struck uh, the guy, Sherem. Sherem. Um, and then he died. He struck him? He hit him? Yeah. Well, he didn't actually strike him. It was Jesus Christ. Do you want to go? Uh, well, they said, and he said, show me a sign. Yeah. And then, um, and then Jacob said that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to show you a sign, but God will show you a sign if he deems it necessary and he'll strike you down. And then God struck him down. Oh, yes. And so he used that power of God. Which is something else, you know, that we need to do. We can use the power of God if people are talking to us. Uh, I like also at the very end in chapter 20, in verse 22, he says that he, uh, because Sherem 
uh, on his deathbed, comes back to all the people and says, hey, I'm sorry, I, I was this way. I shouldn't have said this. I was wrong, and now I'm going to die. And then he died. And all the people were like, oh, wow, that was, that was amazing. And, this is, and, then it, and Jacob says he was praying for this. So he did pray for it all the time. He prayed all the time about why, uh, how, how these people could not be affected. So anyway, we should be praying for it. So we talked about getting the scriptures, using the scriptures, getting the spirit, using the power of God, praying. These are all different ways that we can uh, deal with people. Um, all right. Well, and then that at the end of chapter seven, then that's the end of this lesson. So next week we'll talk more about some other stuff. Um, so just to wrap up, I guess, what we've talked about today, uh, Jonah talked about allegories. What What is an allegory? And his um, own allegory with the marching band and things that can be taught effectively using this technique. And I went on to talk specifically about um, the olive tree and Christ being the master of the vineyard and his purpose to love us and bring about the eternal life of man. Maya did a great job talking about how we're servants and we help to do that missionary work. And, and then Kurt finished off with us talking about what we can learn from Jacob and his approach to those who might challenge our faith. Hope this has been useful as a supplement of your studies of Come Follow Me. Thank you for joining us for End Signs to the Nations. Wow.